Are they finding the book organically on Amazon or did you have some other way of getting the book into people's hands? God, I wish I did. <laughs> no, the whole thing's been organic. Yeah. And if you ask me what the most difficult part of this process has been, which you didn't, but we, you know, it kind of leads to it, it is the marketing of it. Because, yeah. you know, as a self-published author, and, and you know all about this, you know, I don't have a publisher. So it's literally me and social media. Welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers. How can I turn my life experiences into a book? That's a question I get asked a lot. Hi there, my name is Brian Collins and welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast. Many people who want to write a book have a lot of expert experience, perhaps in their career, or they've undergone something and they want to tell people about what happened or they want to make an impact based on their career or their years of knowledge. But it'd be quite difficult to turn your experiences into a book because a book also has to be entertaining, informative, or engaging. And sometimes when you're thinking back to 15 or 20 years of experience, it's hard to know what to extract for your book or where to start. So my particular approach for using life experiences is to journal regularly. So most of the time, what I do is I write up a journal entry about something I did or something I learned or a mistake I made or a conversation I had with someone or some event. Now, I don't use all of these journal entries in books, but at least, you know, if I'm looking to reference a life experience to illustrate a point in a book chapter, I can go back and read through some of these older journal entries. And it's amazing how much I've forgotten about. And I've got to the point where I like to record, you know, things that people said, uh, not with a dictaphone, but, you know, I'd write it up as a kind of a conversational journal entry that night or at the end of the week. And I find this is a really good way, firstly, to remember life experiences. And secondly, it's almost like you're researching your own life, or I think it's mining at the coalface of your own life, as the Irish poet Seamus Heaney said, to extract raw materials that you can use for your book. So if you've got, you know, some life experience that you want to turn into a book, that's one approach that I recommend is to review your journals if you have them, or if you don't have a journal, is to start keeping one. Because at the very least, it's also a form of writing practice to get you into the habit of turning up in front of a blank page. The New York Times bestselling journalist David Carr, who wrote The Night of the Gun, also wrote a fantastic book where he interrogates the story of his own life. Basically, he was an alcoholic and he was a crack cocaine addict and so was his partner. And David was somehow able to turn his life around after his partner gave birth to two twin girls, which he raised and but he wanted to piece together what happened during all the years when he was addicted to drugs and when he was struggling with alcoholism. So he went around and he interviewed people from his former life to ask them about events that he couldn't remember and to find out what really happened. Now that's a bit of an extreme example, but it does show that if you go and talk to people, you know, in your personal life, they'll remember things from a different point of view than you do. And potentially you could use those experiences in your own work as well. A third approach is to consider your ideal reader. What problems are they having right now that are related to your experiences? And what type of questions do they commonly ask? Because if you could speak to, you know, half a dozen or a dozen people who represent your ideal reader and you can track their questions and you can come up with some sort of answers, you could probably get an outline for a book. In fact, if you have a website or if you have a social media following, perhaps you could even survey some people online so you could get a taste for the types of questions people are asking. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I set up the Become a Writer Today podcast was because I wanted to speak to more writers and to learn about the writing process and to also learn about some of the issues that writers have and how they overcome them. 
This week's interview is with the author of a parenting book written for parents. Her name is Amanda Cosgrove, and she recently self-published the book, So Your Child Wants to Go to Drama School. I recently had the chance to catch up with Amanda, and I started by asking her to give listeners a flavor for who she is before getting into why she decided to write this type of book in the first place. Um, well, I suppose my first sort of employment, if you like, was within libraries. So I've always been surrounded by books, love books. And in fact, by day, I'm still a school librarian. <laughs> so that hasn't really gone away. And then I left that to go into travel. And I was very lucky. I had a, a phenomenal job where I was doing, uh, I was an operations manager for a business travel company. And I got to travel all over the world and do some lovely, interesting things. And then I had my little boy, who is now 24. And he wanted to be an actor. And it kind of grows from there because sort of in between that time, I was also a dancer and a dance teacher. I was a member of a, a local amateur theatre and got involved in everything and absolutely loved that. So when I then got a son who was interested in it, it just kind of all married together and uh, the book came or came about after he auditioned for drama school. And gosh, even with my background, it was such an overwhelming experience. And there wasn't really anything out there to help. There's loads for the students, but not for the parents. So that's how we get to the book. <laughs> I think I started before, well, it got published in June of the first lockdown. So June last year. And I started yep. writing it perhaps about November before, but very sporadically. Both my parents were very, very ill and have in fact since died. So it was quite a tumultuous time, as you can imagine. Oh, oh sorry. Um, oh, that's, that's okay. But, you know, it, there were so many interruptions, if you like, uh, that it took a while to kind of really get started. But once I did, it was in that first lockdown. And it just, you know, I suppose I didn't really consider myself to be an author. It's, it's the first yeah. book I ever wrote. And I didn't think of it as that. I was just a mum writing a book and sharing her experiences. And hopefully that comes across, really, because it's not here I am, I'm an expert, you must do this. It's just kind of, this is my story and these are the pitfalls that you might come across and hopefully this will help, you know? It seems like a lot of the book is written from your personal experiences. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, very much so. So how did you figure out how to organise your life experiences into different chapters for your book? <laughs> well, um, when you say my life experiences, I suppose it was it was really more to do with Alex, my, my son. But yeah, just looking at it now, I think it's got its own chapters. The whole drama school application process is very much in chapters. And as a parent, it unfolds as you go along. And the first thing I start the book with is that initial conversation. Because for me, I knew that Alex wanted to be an actor or certainly be involved in the performing arts yeah. somewhere. But it made me think that there must be so many people out there who think that their child is going to be anything from, you know, teacher, plumber, hairdresser, whatever. And so for them suddenly to say, do you know what, mum, I'd like to be an actor, is really quite a shock. And I thought with my little bit of experience, if I was overwhelmed, goodness knows what they must think, because it's just it's just a whole new world. There's a pun yeah. there somewhere from, I think it's Aladdin. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> musical theatre head on there but yeah what did you so, what did your son Alex think of the book or has he read it well he loves it and he was very kind enough I mean we work very closely together you know he helped me along the way and he actually wrote the forward which is really oh, okay. nice oh that's your son yeah I was reading the so, forward yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so um so we've got a different name so that might confuse you he's known as Alex James Hatton and uh yeah. When he came out of drama school, I'm kind of giving the end away here, but he was really lucky just to go straight bang into his first job. Yeah. And um, yeah, touch wood. I, know, I was about to say he is still working now, but of course, like everyone, the theatres are shut. 
Um, yeah. So he currently isn't, but uh, he's meant to be on tour with the Book of Mormon. So yeah, he's done very well. Yeah, well, hopefully they open up things soon, especially it's with the mo- vaccines. Yeah, it's um, moving, isn't it? It's moving. <laughs> so when I was reading through the book, one thing that struck me is who you aim the book at. Would you be able to explain who your ideal reader is? I think you mentioned it in your introduction. Yeah, people like me, really. It's just parents. Yeah, so parents. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I said this already, but there are loads of books out there written for the students or for the children. Yeah. You know, what sort of monologues to do, what's expected of your auditions, what sort of songs to sing and not to sing. And I didn't want it to be that. You know, I'm not the expert necessarily in that. I'm literally coming from it as a parent and letting you know things like what sort of conversations should you have, meeting the sort of having just sensible expectations because, you know, with drama and the acting world, there's so many rejections and disappointments and auditions that don't go too well, you know, and um, that can be difficult. So I think as a parent, knowing what to expect and how to discuss that with your child is a huge part of it. And then just explaining what happens. Yes, there are auditions, but then sometimes you get cut. Sometimes there are recalls. Sometimes there are interviews. Sometimes there are 50 of these. And as I say, it's just knowing what to expect and helping them support the child to and through drama school, really. That's a good tagline, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah, is. Even, the ti- even the title speaks directly, I guess, to your ideal reader. Did you get feedback from other parents or just because you've been through this? Really, just, just be, yeah, I just kind of had the idea and it was, you know, buzzing around. And then once I kind of started tapping the keyboard, it just flew out. And I, I, I wrote it just in my voice. I haven't tried to yeah. pretend to be anything clever you know it's I'd like to think as you read it you know you grab a glass of wine or a cup of tea and and you can dip into it or you can read it right through but it's very light-hearted but that's not to say that the facts aren't there you know it is it's very informative hopefully but it's not written you know it's it's a little bit sarcastic in places really because as a parent my god this is going to cost a lot of money you know for a lot of people and it's just it's just understanding where they're coming from and what they're thinking on you know, I was absolutely petrified about whether he'd get in because mm. although I wanted him to get in, obviously, as mum, I also thought, I'm, I'm never going to afford this. You mm. know, so I also talked to parents about all the different things you can do and the different funding that's available, scholarships, bursaries, grants, et cetera, et cetera. And just to take some of the worry away and to say, if they really want to do it and you're willing to support them, do you know what? It can be done. Okay. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And you mentioned that you wrote the book during the lockdown and you described how it almost felt like the words came straight out of you when you were writing the book. So what was your writing process like? Would you be able to talk through that? I think it was very simple. I've, I, as I say, I had this idea. I just started to go blur, you know, and just just yeah. start typing. I'm a bit of a perfectionist, which holds me back. So I had to learn not to be. I had a virtual assistant at the time because I also run a, a theatre company myself, and she helped me with that. So she did the first proofread of the book, and she was in effect the first person that you know I dared allow somebody to read it, uh, apart from my partner and my son. Yeah, I was a little bit embarrassed at first about people reading it, as in, well, who are you to write a book? Because as I say, I am just a mum writing a book. But her feedback was great and really positive. And I thought, oh, okay, well, perhaps I have got something here. And it just gave me that little boost to 
you know, a bit of confidence to think, oh, to hell with it. Let's just let's just give this a go and see what happens. I was very scared <laughs> giving it to my son to read. Yeah. Uh, I just thought this this is going to be interesting. As somebody really within the industry, you know, is he, is he going to think it's a bit naff that mum's written this book? And to my surprise, he said, you know what, you've got something here. And if only mm. we'd had this book at the beginning. And I thought, that's it. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. And did it take you long to find an editor for the book? Um, well, I kind of didn't. My virtual assistant did all the sort of proofing and yeah. and then it was over to me and I just did it again and again and again. I put yeah. it into different packages. I took it out of like a Google document uh, pages and put it into like an InDesign. I work quite well with Adobe InDesign. I like to use that. I'm used to that. So, But as you do so, so it just took on, you know, a, a different outlay, if you like, putting all the different chapters in different orders, scrubbing bits, rereading it, seeing the mistakes, rewriting it. And it was just that. It was just a matter of rewrite after rewrite. And because mm. I was self-publishing, it didn't actually have an official editor. It was me. Yeah. So yeah. make of that what you will. I don't know. <laughs> and do, uh, what about the title? It's quite a clever, catchy title. So your child wants to go to drama school. It just is what it is, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's that's just the start. There's so much that happens from that conversation. And I think it's really important to have a healthy conversation at first. And as I say, I, I run a local uh, theatre company and I know of a lot of people who have had that dream to go to drama school and haven't been able to have that support or the parents have, have just gone, whoa, hold on, you know, I don't know. I don't, this is a new world to me. I don't know anything about it. It's expensive, isn't it? You know, you're going to be disappointed. You're not going to get in. And all the kind of defence mechanisms kick in. And I just think that's such a shame. So I was hoping that by reading this, they might sit down and go, well, OK, do you know what? Try auditioning. See if you get in. Let's have a look into this. Let's find out the differences between the different types of schools and the courses. And let's see if we can find a way. And I think if I can get them through that first conversation, yeah. then... Job done, really, because the rest kind of unfolds. But yeah, well, I hope so anyway. You talked a few minutes ago about overcoming rejection and how that's something drama students have to face. It's probably mm. something writers have to face a lot too. So what, <laughs> yeah. what kind of advice do you give people who who are struggling with rejection for their work? Um, I think, well, I, I talk in the book about having to have hunger. And yeah. I think basically it's down to having hunger. You've simply got to get up and have another go and get up and have another go and get up and have another go. And I think when you get knocked down and you don't get back up again, that's the only time really when, you know, you, you can say, well, it obviously wasn't meant for you then. I think, yeah, if you get rejected, I mean, you've got to look at why. You've got to be realistic. That's something else I talk about. You might have a child that actually isn't very good and you're just being a pushy mum and saying, go on, go on, go on, you'll get in. And, you know, the poor things will just go through 10 auditions that they don't get. And perhaps they aren't good enough. So you have got to be very, very honest. But you know what? If they've got the passion and the hunger and they've had a little, you know, if you've seen them growing up and they've been to the local theatre group, they've been in the local choir, they've had singing lessons, dancing lessons, whatever, then they've given you already a bit of a clue that this is an interest that they're passionate about. So hopefully if they've got that hunger, they're going to take the rejection and just bounce back. That's the plan. But it's, I think as a parent, just understanding that there will be rejection, or the, at least more often than not, definitely. Yeah, no, I, I've trained kids, but it's hard seeing your kids being rejected. For oh, it's horrible. It's, it's, I was dreading it, absolutely dreading it. I was, well, Alex was very lucky. <laughs> He'd booked in several auditions, but he had his heart set on one particular school in London. And it so happened that that was his first ever audition. 
So I didn't think for one moment it was going to be a positive outcome because it was a a really difficult school to get into. And it was his first experience. So I thought, well, nerves will kick in. God help, you know, anything could happen. And he got in. He got in. I was so lucky. I mean, so lucky. He was only 17. And he started then as he turned 18 the following year. So, you know, yes, so, so lucky. But that isn't normal. That isn't normal. You know, I know people that have been time and time again. I would say on average... Uh, about three years in a row until you get in for a lot of people. And that's, yeah. you know, for a parent, you can understand why they might say, well, okay, love, now you've, you've had a go. Well done. Now let's look at university courses and see what you can do instead. You know, that's, yeah. that's fair enough. You can see why they would think that. But um, if that hunger's there, you know, I just say, look, no plan B. You've got to stick to this. Just go, go, go. If you really want it that badly, stick to it. Because you can work in between while you're auditioning. You can do things to um, enhance your experiences that will only help the acting experience. So, uh, yeah, just have the hunger and no plan B is what I'd say. How can someone, you mentioned you can work in between. How can someone balance working on something that creatively inspires them versus, you know, work with paying the bills? Do you mean as a sort of a, uh, an adult or I mean, as a sort of a drama school applicant, a student, if you like? Uh, I guess for, as, a, as an adult. Because yeah. I, presu- I presume your Alex would have had support from you when, when he was... Yeah, I mean, so. I think it's a difficult balance, actually. Yeah. And funny enough, I do talk about this a little bit in the book, in that you can be really good and say, right, okay, mum, you know, I'm going to take on this job. In the meantime, I'm going to start saving for school. But the more and more you work or the longer hours you work, the least time you have for auditions and lots and lots of employers don't let you have the time off for auditions. So it really is a bit of a catch-22 situation. Um, So it's finding work within industries that I think have some understanding of that. Perhaps you could certainly volunteer in the first instance, but perhaps get a job teaching or doing workshops for your local drama school, that type of thing is a good way to go. Estate agents seem to be really supportive for some reason. I don't know. I know loads of people that have worked <laughs> in estate agents. Yeah. But yeah, obviously, I mean, there's retail jobs. But again, you know, they expect certain hours from you and they certainly expect you to work Saturdays. And if you're yeah. also trying to do, build your experience by being in shows, you have to take the Saturdays off because of performances and so on. So, yeah, it's hard. I think that's why you get a lot of students doing evening bar work. Yeah, because the hours are are better for for auditions. Yeah, Yeah, that would make make sense. When you were writing the book, did you read many other parenting books? Not really. Not not on a specific subject because this was something so different because it was for parents and I knew that there was nothing out there. I just kind of went for it. But I do read a lot of, um, I love business books, self-help books, that type of thing. (laughs) And there's a couple of people I've read whose, I think, voice I might have taken on a little bit, whose sort of humour sat well with me and things like that. So no doubt I was influenced a little bit. But um, yeah, I've read mainly for sort of just learning myself and for pleasure, really, as opposed to how to write a book, you know. And did you write this particular book? like specifically focused on parents in the United Kingdom or are there lessons that would apply for parents? Do you know, that's a really good question. And this is something that's unfolded. And actually, I I probably need to go back and address. I wrote it, yes, definitely for people within the United Kingdom. So much so that in the back, I've included 25 drama schools and all the different things you need to know about them, like the fees, even the nearest train station, what the application deadlines are and so on. Bags and bags of info in there. But they are all... UK drama schools. And then the book I noticed drip by drip started selling in France, Germany, the States. Yeah. And I was like, 
oh, okay. I didn't expect that at all. And then as it sort of evolved, obviously these drama schools take on loads of international students. I know in Alex's own yeah. year, there was lo- people coming from all over the world, which is fantastic. So the book does seem to be resonating with those that are outside the UK, but in the sense that they'd want to come to the UK for their training. Yeah. So I think there is something that I do need to add. I need to go back to the book, I think, and perhaps add in the international fees as well as the... UK fees I think that might be useful so that's on my to-do list actually um but yeah so it's very much relevant to anyone all over the world that wants to train but who's looking to come to the UK for mm. that training I haven't included schools in the states or Europe really nicely so we, we are the leaders I think in this field and people do want to come to the UK to go to our fantastic sort of drama schools and conservatoires so yeah it's the place you to mentioned be, that people in the United States and France and other countries have bought the book are they finding the book organically on Amazon or did you have some other way of getting the book into people's hands? God, I wish I did. <laughs> no, the whole <laughs> thing's been organic. Yeah. And if you ask me what the most difficult part of this process has been, which you didn't, but we, you know, it kind of leads to it, it is the marketing of it. Because, yeah. you know, as a self-published author, and, and you know all about this, you know, I don't have a publisher. So it's literally me and social media. So for me to be selling books at all is nigh on a miracle. <laughs> so I'm so grateful. But it's frustrating because you just want to get it into the books. I thought you want to get the book into the hands of the people that need it and who would benefit yeah. from it. And, you know, I just wish I could wave a, wave a magic wand. So, yeah, organically, in answer to your question, which is fantastic, uh, it's only available on Amazon anyway. It's only available in one place. Uh, but of course, that's available to all countries, in all languages and so on. So yeah, just drip, drip, drip. I think, yeah. you know, social media is a lot to answer for. But in this this case, a good thing in a good way. <laughs> and do you think you'll write another book? Uh, yes, there's one yeah. on the way, actually. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going, well, I'm going to take the next stage. Um, I haven't decided exactly on the title, yeah. but it'll be something like, so your child is at drama school. Oh, and it's a, going a, a series. The, yeah. yeah, see where I'm coming from here? <laughs> it's going to be uh, the next stage because, and this is, this is well, I think it's not funny, but it's sort of funny. It's just that they're so reliant on you before yeah. they get into drama school financially. and Well, they still are during drama school, but I think... You know, it's like a boot camp once you get there. It's like being in the army. They work so hard. And the best schools, sort of connection time between the contact time, if you like, that the hours are so long. And you don't really get a chance to catch up very much with them. And they also belong to a new world then. They've left home. They've flown the nest. They don't want to be ringing mum every five minutes. So the next book is how a parent can find out what's going on if they're not getting those phone calls home. So written very much in the same lighthearted vein, but with information that explains all the different classes, what they're learning, how it works, what happens when they do their end of year shows, how they find an agent, etc. So it's And also other jobs that they can do at the end or further courses they can take you know, post-grad courses and stuff. Whereas in this one, I've put the sort of current courses. The next one will have the the postgraduate courses in. So, yeah, I like the idea of writing a non-fiction series. It's a great way of using the next non-fiction. book to pr- promote the last book. Yes, true. <laughs> mm. I just love non-fiction. That's mainly what mm. I read. Yeah, very rarely read fiction. Although I just have picked up on it again recently. I've read a couple of books just recently. But apart from that, I'm all non-fiction. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah. Same as me. <laughs> Maybe that's because I, I think people read what they like to write and they write what they read. So it's kind of like a virtuous circle. Uh, I think yes, so, yeah, so, yeah. 
You find a lot of thriller authors will talk about their favorite thriller books. Nonfiction authors read a lot of nonfiction. So, yeah. Oh, I've never really thought about that. But, yeah, I guess that's right. Yeah. I wouldn't dream of writing a fictional book. I wouldn't know where to start. Yeah. So, Amanda, where can people find more information about you or where can they find your book? Um, a couple of places, really. I'm, uh, I've got a website, first of all, which is www.amandabcosgrove.co.uk. Yep. And in fact, to make it easy, and I've been lucky with this, every single platform on social media, I've managed to get Amanda B. Cosgrove. So if you yeah. can remember that name, you'll find me all over the place. And the book itself is available from Amazon. Obviously, you can search me or the, or the title of the book. But I'm sure if you just put drama school book and things like that, it should come up for you. Quite a distinctive, nice blue cover I can show you. It does indeed, yeah. So your listeners nice blue, might see this. Blue cover but, uh, and wh- nice and white and black. Yes, type, that's what uh, it is. Yeah, that's actually available also in ebook, by the way, for those that would prefer to read it electronically. And if anyone's enrolled in the KDP Select sort of unlimited uh, scheme, they can actually download that for free. So there we go. Well, thank you for talking to me today. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, please consider leaving a short review on the iTunes store or sharing the show on Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you're listening. More reviews, more ratings and more shares will help more people find the Become a Writer Today podcast. And did you know for just a couple of dollars a month, you could become a Patreon for the show? Visit patreon.com forward slash become a writer today or look for the support button in the show notes. Your support will help me record, produce and publish more episodes each month. And if you become a Patreon, I'll give you my writing books, discounts on writing software and on my writing courses. Thank you.